Hi, and welcome to the latest edition of Corporate Breakout Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ben and Robert. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. So, guys, was that uh, in some of the past episodes, we discussed managing types, was that of different types of managers, the cooperation between uh, employees of different uh, backgrounds, uh, and also we face challenges with this. I think we, we discussed some of them on, especially episodes five and uh, six. But with COVID being a recent challenge to us, uh, I think one of the main uh, areas is with homeworking and actually managing people, employees, and of course, uh, meeting their expectations and allowing them to meet our expectations uh, with homeworking. It's obviously much more difficult than a face-to-face environment as previously. So, Today was that I want to discuss uh, the resilience of teams. Uh, and Ben, I see that you've actually posted uh, a chart recently on LinkedIn, uh, and I thought maybe this was a starting point, and uh, you could explain a little bit about it. Okay, so just um, it's a kind of chart that explains exactly what's the critical um, characteristics of a um, resilient team and, and why that's basically. Because as, as you said, Kevin, today we're moving to managing teams remotely. And, and there's a lot, and this is what we discussed in earlier episodes, there's a lot of emphasis on how important it is the role of a, a manager, a people lead, on ensuring that their teams are operating in an optimum environment. Why is that? It's because you could imagine if you're sitting in a space, you, you could observe your teams, right? You're talking to them, you have a lot of face-to-face interactions and, and that's to help you judge the state of mind and how they're doing and, 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 and so on. But now, since we are managing, or everyone is actually to a certain degree managing remote teams, um, you don't see them. You talk to you, you talk to them, and and lucky, if you're lucky enough, you will have an, a video conference with them and see them. But the challenge is, is that you're not managing only their professional part of their lives. It's actually since they are working from home, it's really hard to understand or to draw a line between. Um, their professional and private life, right? I.e. right now, uh, for example, if you think of somebody who's, who has kids at home, you might, you, they might get distracted potentially, right? And then for you not seeing that, you would assume that something is going wrong because their productivity is going down or they're not feeling too well. So you've been forced to understand and ask a questions, basically what's happening, what's going on, right? And you wouldn't know, you wouldn't figure it out until they've been told that, oh yeah, my uh, kid, for example, is ill, right? Or I'm not really too, feeling too well taking meetings because I'm living only a 30 square meters apartment with my partner and a kid, right? There's many scenarios and situations where that matters, that you, you as, a, as, a, as a manager understand exactly what's happening to your teams and to your members. And this is in returns will impact your basically team's resilience in handling their, their daily jobs. Yeah, now we're touching again the manager role, because for me it doesn't matter whether we're working from home, and we cannot vi- uh, we cannot uh, see each other, or we we are in the office on the same space. This is the manager or team leader responsibility to be sure that we are in the state of mind that uh, allow us to work in the most efficient way. Um, and if we are not, then it should be you know discovered by the by the manager and then do something with it. But what we discussed in the past was there's different types of managers. So can we think of any way to help guide managers, team uh, people managers, 
into what to look for. So, so it's, okay, so resilient team is based on four pillars, right? And this is how your starting point or benchmark, right? Is basically understanding how the teams could work and help each other, or what we call resourcefulness, and then also how they as individuals behave toward others in terms of humidity, and then also how they understand each other's challenge, right? And there's being empathy to each other, um, right? And then being open to feedback, and this is the candor. So those are the four critical or characteristics of being or having resource of, um, a resilient team, right? And, and then you could reflect on each one of these and, and, and try to measure where's your team stand in that bar, right? Are they helping each other? Are, are they, they, they humble and, and they look to each other's? Are they, they expressing humility toward each other's? And then if they are kind to each other's and open to a feedback. So that, that, those are the four elements that if, if I was in a position to lead peoples, I would have looked at. So for me, it's not just the actual individuals then, it's also from top down, is that they need to see this from the highest level, is that uh, downwards. It needs to almost be built into kind of the culture. Because some of these, you know, it's hard to actually teach somebody empathy, humility. Quite often, this is the human instinct, how you're brought up, is that uh, your own personality. Uh, so I'm wondering, was that uh, with, as we discussed, different types of people, uh, even in uh, a previous uh, podcast, we discussed the purpose, and knowing the purpose of an individual, that actually helps the lower attrition. So do you have any examples was that uh, that you could maybe share with us of how you think that somebody a team leader was that the manager even just a colleague might be able to help educate themselves for this yeah for me the basic is the collaboration this is what we talk in episode five that without the collaboration between different people but also on the different levels meaning manager employee employee client client manager we cannot do much because without the synergy that we can um, create by, by, by working together, we can actually uh, go much, far, much uh, further than doing something alone or being locked in our own, let's say, reality. Of course, there are kind of a job, for example, like IT and doing some, some kind of coding where you have to be focused on the one task. But then if we're talking about the environment that we are working for, meaning uh, finance, where you need to have uh, different information coming from the different sources, you always need to be able to ask your colleague, ask client, ask your manager, uh, to just you know, give you additional information that can help you within your work, because otherwise you will stuck somewhere, and either way it influences relation, influence your efficiency, or you start making mistakes. I think there's an interesting part of you, you. I would not agree on one point, actually, when you talk about an IT developer being, you know, sitting in their corners and doing their codes, because if you think of it, the IT development is part of, you know, that person is developing only one part of the product, right? And, and more than 99.9%, there's somebody else picking up the code 
at some point to do a final product that would be front end or back end. So I think even when an IT environment maybe is less relevant to work within a teams, etc., but they still have to work. There's no one could do a product A to Z. It does not exist. Uh, I don't think, I couldn't come up with any examples, but I go back to your point, Kevin. You're right about it. It's like, it's, you know, if you pick up one of the four, it's hard to, to teach people to be um, kind or have empathy to others, right? But the manager or leaders plays a role they sit top down and demonstrating how that works. You might have a team that have a really low level of empathy between each other they for certain reasons maybe the work environment is about competition i don't know if it's about sales for example right if you have a few sales agents and you're like heading the teams and then you look on in the whiteboard and say how much each one of them performing so what the chances that they will look to each other and say okay i can help you out right you'll pick up some of your clients or because you feel ill and then i can do your numbers because those guys potentially the beta affects amount of money and then the remaining is just bonuses on their performance or what they can bring to the tables but in, in challenging times, there's no one could win the game. That that's quite impossible. And and what you do as a re- leader is not enforcing that behaviors on them. But you do two things: you just demonstrate how that works and what the benefits of having it. And number two, creating environment that help the team guide them to that directions. You know, if you tell somebody, okay, why you need to be, why you need to have empathy to your teams. You just show it by example. You didn't tell them, oh, you have to be better with your teams, right? That, that doesn't work. You just show what the benefit of being, having empathy toward your co-workers. And again, creating that environment, right? There's a very nice book um, that is uh, wrote by Adam Grant. It is called Give and Take. It's about the givers and the takers. And he said that, of course, there are the people who give something, but in the most example, they are expecting to receive something back, which is not very um, healthy. And then what is uh, funny is that mo- most productive people are the takers, meaning that people that only takes but not giving anything back. But then in the end, the people who are most um, the people who are most um, I would say the grateful and people who like can be like happy in life are the are the givers but without accept, ex, expectation to get something in return so this is also showing that we should build the environment in our organization to just you know let people in the way where they can help to each other but not like expecting to get something back just to be able to share not only the help but also the knowledge on the different positions so it's also a little bit kind of taking that personal ownership where you're actually saying, was again, we've mentioned in the past, about each person is an individual. You need to understand their strengths and weaknesses. This is how you build a team. And by doing that, you kind of have to be honest. Is that open? That's usually can be done, in my experience in the past, by maybe some story sharing. We give examples of there be a challenge that's similar that's happened in the past. Uh, but one of the main things for me, about, I see taking ownership. Each individual, again, from manager, was that uh, 
down to was it the, the the person was it processing was it you need to take ownership of what, what you've actually got and with that you kind of create this it, it gives you the foundations to build the team if each person takes the ownership of their own responsibilities you're then able to create a team responsibilities and you begin to feel the ownership for your end target you kind of set the target clear in front of them and say each of you do your task this is where we'll get it could be a bit like a sports analogy is that uh, you mentioned earlier about having large teams and kind of a competition you look at uh, a football team for example you might have a squad of 25 players and you have 11 who start you can't make everybody happy but the goal is clear they each know what responsibility they have and it's that ownership of it and i think this is how a key thing for me each person needs to know their responsibility is it within the organization and with that, you can maybe meet their expectations, like Robert, you were saying. So actually, it's really interesting when you mentioned the football teams. Um, and, and going back, reflecting, on, echoing a bit of what you said, and also reflecting back on what we said earlier, and this is just the, the objective is not individuals winning, right? It's the team winning. And if you think about the football team, a huge part of the player's value is from the team that they're coming from. And that, that individual's, Right, might be sitting in the, in the bench more than in the field playing, right? But he gets a lot of the credit of the success of his team, right? If you're coming from a winning team or the champion of the year, all, although you haven't played that much, it's just by the fact that you've been one selected part of that team, two, you played a few games, you, you have a huge you know, boost to your value when you move to another team. So probably the other one will, will put you more in the field than... Than, than, than you sitting in the bench. But, and, and this kind of a, a positive loop of, uh, you know, um, effect and uh, inputs and, and, and outputs. But going back to the first one we mentioned earlier on, and this is why a bit of a, what you say, Kevin, and echoing what you say, Robert, is this how, how we could have those four pillars of um, or cr- critical pillars of um, resilient team. It's, it's true, you could demonstrate that. And how is that? If you, if you think about resourcefulness, and also what you're trying to say, uh, Kevin, is just you own that challenge, right? Is that you will most likely to have a resilient team whereas everyone is engaged and owning what they have rather than when things break down, they just start pointing fingers at each other. You could, you could bring a lot of bad examples when a meeting ended by not understanding what directions are we heading at and creating a negative environment because everyone in the room starts blaming on each other. But if you are good teams, you say, well, not, we're not here blaming or pointing the fingers. We need to find a solution. Finding solution doesn't come out from, you know, pointing to the other side. It's rather focusing on what the next steps are. But this is, this is also what Kevin mentioned, that to, to be able to create this kind of team, you have to create an environment where people can, like, share their stories. Because you mentioned that the people can blame each other in, in one room. But very often it's like, there's a manager who's saying something and there's no objection. Everybody are agreeing, although they are not understanding what should be done. And, and, that's, and that's the reflex, yes, indeed. When, when, when you're sitting in that room and discussing a, 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 a challenge, you start by sharing stories, right? And, and I think story, sharing stories builds a lot of humility, right? Because you, you would share where basically had a situation that things didn't go too well. And, and this is basically when you say, well, everyone does mistakes, right? And, and this is the first steps of saying, well, no one is perfect. 
And, and, and if, if everyone, everyone agrees in the rooms that no one is perfect, it's meaning show humility to the other peoples in the rooms, and then you will less likely ending by having teams blaming each other, right? Um, and then the other things, again, going back to the teams and building that resourcefulness is basically that if, if my colleague next to me is feeling good and productive, the chances that I will fail doing my job is very low, right? And this is where it's where you build in each other resilience, right? If I have a team of four or five, if I look across the boards, and this is where the leader does not look really to, indiv- okay, understand the individuals, but don't, do not think of that the success come only from one person in that teams and the remaining is kind of auxiliaries. No, it doesn't work like this because if a three in the room is feeling really bad, they're not really feeling themselves, one will not make it. It's actually, that's where you end by not having, what's your plan B, right? If that person goes missing, then what's going to happen to you? But teams is what matters and that's how you look across the board. So, so this is like a, another, another quality that managers should have, like an independent observer meaning to be able to look at the team separately and be able to evaluate what is what is happening. So these points are all very good, but I've noticed that, you know, at the beginning of the uh, our conversation, I kind of mentioned about being with home working with COVID uh, and remote working. You could be working with people from different countries. But we've fallen into this little trap already where we're talking about being in the room next to the person. So trying to think of how we can maybe help some of the, the listeners just now and help ourselves with homework. How do we think we could maybe have some of these ideas and help people understand candor, resourcefulness, empathy, humility, but remotely? It, it must be far more difficult doing this. Was that over uh, Skype calls, over team calls? Was that over Zoom calls? Was that, it must be far more difficult. Oh yeah, I mean, okay. Luckily, COVID didn't fall out of this the sky. Okay, there's chances that you will um, you'll have a team a member embodied in a COVID time. You haven't seen that person, you haven't got a chance to meet that person, etc. But there is also it's a fifty fifty chance. There's a chance that you, hopefully, you actually benefited from the time that you were together in the office. That's number one and two. I think one of the the best thing you could do is just keeping that engagement, that line open. This is where is one-to-one meetings matters a lot, right? And not just making one-to-one through an audio. I think everyone has today, and nowadays everyone has a laptop um, or desktop and with a cam um, uh, into it. And, and I think this is one of the best options you could do. Just have that video conference, have that engagement up and running, have your one-to-one at least once a week, this is the only way, and, and, and non, do not narrow only the questions of how are you doing in that project, right? Are, you do, uh, are we meeting those deadlines? What's about that task? Have you done it? No, it doesn't go, I think you need to take at least 30% of that time understanding what's happening in that person's private life indirectly, but because not everyone is willing to, to talk about their private lives, but I think there's a lot of emphasis right now to understand what's going on in their lives, because that's how you could understand if they have a, um, a trouble or they need help. Yeah, because at the end we are colleagues, we work for the same organization, we have the same goals. Or, of course, there are different levels of uh, making those goals. But at the end, we do, we try to score the, the same goal. And then I would just 
So one of the things you could create, just to echo what I said, is just show that you care, right? If you're a manager, you'd care not only about that person, oh, but tasks, deliveries, yes, that's also really important. You could give two-thirds of that your one-to-one on a weekly basis and that, that, that those, what matters for job, but you show by your care, by asking the question, how are you guys doing? And maybe even starting you, if you're doing a, a round the tables or meet team meetings, you just start your questions, how things are running, guys, for you? Any, any concerns you have? How is your family is doing, right? How is, um, if you know somebody has some, uh, one of their relatives is sick or something, maybe not in that common cause, but ask about that person. How is, how is your parents? How are they doing good? You, would, you, you need to go beyond just having names and machines that deliver things for you. It's, human interactions matters a lot, basically, if you want to deliver something. Yeah. I strongly agree with that. In my experience, it's about letting the individual know that you you trust them, that you know that they own their challenge, that they are, of course, with that, they need to know what their challenge is and they need to accept responsibility. In my experience, was that um, sometimes on new projects, you might be your meetings, one-on-ones or huddle meetings or team meetings, might be 90% business, 10%, kind of getting to know each other. But over time, I've tried to increase that percentage for getting to know the people until it maybe even reaches, you know, 10% business, 90% is that uh, on a personal level. But to do that, you need a lot of those steps. You need to understand your employees. You, the employees need to understand management. Is it what the goals are, what the challenges are, and like we said, uh, having that ownership. And in that way, it's not um, kind of a fake way of showing that you care. Because you can sometimes tell when somebody is just reading off a script and saying, yeah. oh, okay, how are you today? Is that, uh, we don't want that. We want it to be more of a case of actually, this is natural in my ability. Is that, that I'm able to ask somebody, I'm able to have a short conversation. Of course, you get the different personality types. You get certain people who are introverted and they, they won't be so outgoing. But again, those people, is that they are humans, is that they do have feelings. Is that, and as long as I think that they are able to show that they care, that they understand, that they have empathy with their employees, the employees do show that back. It might take time. We all work under stressful times. We all work uh, with deadlines. But like you said, right at the beginning, you've got to understand that this person uh, lives in a 30 meter, squared meter apartment with a, a husband and child, for example. And your deadline might not be uh, bring extra stress to that person. So the person's quality of work might decrease. If this is happening very often, that their morale may go down. This is when we lead to losing purpose. This is when we lead to attrition. And this is when we go to the hidden costs, as we discussed in a previous episode. So it's definitely about just actually talking, about showing that you're caring. But still, from a business side, it's about actually setting clear goals. And each person taking, in my opinion, each person taking that ownership of their own tasks. And I think this is something that we have to learn. Because as we, as we mentioned in episode one, technology is there, so we can communicate freely. There's no issue with the internet connection anymore. We have uh, nice tools that we can 
visualize ourselves or book ourselves into different rooms and so on and so on. Now this empathy and understanding each other needs to be uh, improved. Perfect. Guys, thank you very much. Is that uh, Ben, until next time, Robert, until next time. If any of you want to uh, look at that uh, in more detail, that graph, you can uh, check out our page on Corporate Break. Is it on LinkedIn? And you can leave a comment. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you.